Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. It is good to be back with you this morning. I know some of you had some late nights, and we all know why, but you're here this morning, and um, it is a joy to be with you every single week. And, and I have prayed all week that He speaks to us, that God speaks to us in individual ways, that, that the seeds are planted in our hearts and our lives, because He has so much for us. I have a question for you this morning. Have you ever quit something before you know you should have. Think about your life. Have you ever quit something before you know you should have? A, a job? A habit? A commitment? A relationship? Something. Have you quit it before you, ah, oh, I look back and I know I quit that too soon. Why? Why did you quit that? Why did you quit that? Another question have you ever known that God has asked you to do something and you've either said no or you quit it before you sought to completion? Have you ever known that God has spoken something deep inside of you and you know you should do it and you've said no or you've got into it but you've quit too soon? Why? Why do we quit? And if you ever felt like on the other side of quitting that you missed out on something potentially great because you quit too soon. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 36 says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will re receive what he has promised. You need to persevere. See, I believe each and every one of us uh, for our lives that God wants to, uh, God has more for us and wants us to experience the fullness of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I believe for each and every one of us that God has more for us and we, he wants us to experience the fullness of what it means to be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And we see that scripture called the fruits of the Spirit. This is what God wants for us. But sometimes I just wonder if that's not the reality of our lives. That for many of us, we want the more that God has for us, but we often can run into um, barriers or walls, and we just say, it's not worth it, I'm going to quit, before we experience the more. That I'm going to give up before we get to the more. And we do that because we're not sure what the next move is. We do that because we're just not sure if we have any more to give. But I do think in that, we miss out on something that God has for us. See, today we're going to continue this series of conversations we started for the fall, simply titled... Um, simply titled the God of the God of and we've been we've been talking about this whole semester just looking about how God is not limited when who where how he wants to work in our lives we've been talking about that that he is not limited by power and by place and so each week I'm just telling stories 
I'm telling stories of how God works. How he worked in the past, because I think how he worked in the past is how he wants to continue to work in the future. And sometimes we just need to be reminded, this is what God has done, and he can still do. And so, so far, we have looked at how he's worked in the mountains, how he's looked, worked in the valleys, how he's worked in the sticks, and last week it was the burning bush, right? So mountains, valleys, sticks, and we're making a transition today to stones. So to begin this series, you know, mountain, valley, sticks, and stones. But what does that even mean? Well, we're going to go to a famous story that many of you have heard before in Joshua chapter 6, all right? So if you have your Bibles, you got your phones, whatever, if you need a Bible, there's one in the chair, if you're in the room. But we're going to go to Joshua chapter 6 this morning. Now, as you're looking to find that, I want to tell you something someone said to me at the end of service last week. He walked up and he said, hey, Pastor Scott, can I just say something real quick? I said, yeah, what's up? He said, I have heard the story we talked about, which was Exodus 3, the burning bush. I have heard that story many times growing up, but I never heard it taught the way you taught it. And I said, oh, that's so cool. And not because it was a compliment to me. In that moment, it was a reminder that I want to remind you today. Scripture is so alive. God's word is so alive that stories that we have heard before can be made new in new season and in new days in new ways we need to hear them. And so today we're going back to another familiar story. And my prayer this week has been, God, may you make an old story new today for your church. And so can we read Joshua chapter 6? And I'm going to read 1 through 21. Join me. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua... Son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant to the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua commanded the army, Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout! So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent night there. 
Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. The city and all that is in her to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies uh, we sent. But kept, keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make, camp, you will make the camp of Israel liable to the destruction and bringing trouble on it. All the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. Now verse 20, when the trumpet sounded and the army shouted and the sound of the trumpet, at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout and the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. You've heard this story before, yeah? You know this story. What I want to do before we talk about us, I want to walk through, kind of dissect what is going on. Let's fill in some gaps of what's even around this story. We have moved on from Moses the first three weeks. We were in the book of Exodus. We've moved on from the story of Moses because at the end of Exodus, we see that Moses has died. Moses has died, and they've passed on leadership to this guy named Joshua. And this was 100% the obvious choice, because Joshua had been Moses' right-hand man throughout the years of, of leading the Israelites. Joshua had a front-row seat to miraculous things because of him leading through Moses. Joshua had front row, a front row seat to see how leadership should be done and how God can use leaders. Joshua had a front row seat to when leadership doesn't make the right move. And failure comes. Joshua was prepared in so many ways, and now it was his turn to lead. Now, I don't know if you've ever sat in this seat before where you go from follower to leader and what that feels like. It can be very unnerving. Going from having a covering of leadership to looking around and everybody else is looking to you to make the decisions and now you are the covering. I don't know if you've ever sat in that seat before, but it can be somewhat difficult. So God had to speak to Joshua as he was beginning. God had to speak to Joshua to kind of lift him up so that he could walk in what he was supposed to do. So I'm going to go back to Joshua chapter 1 because we need to see what God said to Joshua at the beginning of this journey. Verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. 
Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from desert, the desert of Lebanon and the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean, Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to the ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God to be with you wherever you go. Joshua is about to accomplish the task that started all the way back in Exodus chapter 1. I've told you about this. After the Israelites were rescued from Egypt, they had a plan, they had a promise, but this promise even predated them. It goes back to the covenant of Abraham way back then that God has told them what he was going to do. Joshua was going to be the person that led the people to finally see the result of God promising them a place, a land where they would live. Finally, after 40 years of just wandering around, Joshua was going to lead them into the place. But, in order to live in the promise that God had for them, in order to walk in the life that God had for them, they had to go through Jericho. They had no other option but to go through this city. Now, if you go to Israel with me ever on our trips, the next one's in 2025. It's, it's incredible. I love doing this to kind of make the Bible kind of come off the pages. It's such a fun time. If you ever go, we're going to go to Jericho, and we're going to go in that city, and we're going to see a sycamore tree that Zacchaeus would have been on. We're gonna, we're, we go through, and we see the ruins of that city, and we, and we understand that this city at this time was about nine acres big, and it was a fortified city. This is the, we believe, the oldest established fortified city in the world. But Jericho was not a God-fearing city. We see through Scripture, it talks about the abundance of sin that was in this place. But the people of Israel are looking at this city. They're looking at the stone walls. They're looking at what's in front of them. And they're realizing that this place is the barrier, is the thing that's coming between them and their promised land. Now remember a few things about Israel. This is not a fine-tuned military group of people. They don't have weapons of mass destruction. They don't have a lot of stuff. They were 
people who were nomads, who had essentially been circling, circling a wilderness for 40 years, just following Moses as he followed God. But there they were. And they knew what they had to accomplish. But this was a first for them. They don't come, like I said, it's the first one. They don't come across fortified cities. Joshua had never led anybody to accomplish this task specifically. This wall between them and their promised place was uncharted territory, and they were not equipped. But I already read the end of the story, yeah? They weren't a group of people that were equipped. They weren't a group of people that were resourced well. They weren't a group of people that knew how to do this. They had a leader that didn't know how to accomplish this. But you see, the end of the story is they win. Against all odds, the stone walls come down. Against all odds, they take this city and they get to continue the journey of going to this promised land. Now, one of the problems of stories being famous and well-known, we take for granted the end of the story because we've seen it before. And, and, and a common thing that I say in here is, can we leave our seats today and try to imagine what it's like to be these people that they didn't know how the story was going to end but they had to walk the journey to get there all they had was a leader who said this land is yours there's a promised land on the other side of this we have to go do it what did they have to walk through that we could learn from you and I have these barriers in our life that we see that come between me and, and I think what God has for us, me and, and where I want to go in life. We encounter these, these cities, these stone walls in our own way, and we can look at these stories, and once we look at it from their vantage point, we can look and say, okay, what can I learn from? Because I want to live out life like them. Maybe the question can be this. How do I handle the walls I feel between me and what God has for me? How do I handle them? And what I'm going to say is going to be very simple in concept, but very precise in application. There's really not margin or movement to decide any other way but to walk through life the way we see the Israelites walk. You won't be surprised by what I'm going to say, but can I circle back to the beginning? And can I remind you, like my prayer was, that this story can be seen in a new way. My prayer has also been, God, can these applications plant new seeds? Can these applications reshape minds? Can the Holy Spirit speak to us in a way today because maybe you are on the verge of quitting? You may be on the verge of stopping something you're supposed to do and go another direction. And maybe God wants to speak and say, no, don't quit that. 
because I've got more for you, but you've got to walk through this in the right way to get to what I have for you. Don't quit. And maybe you're not at that place today, but don't we all have those moments in our life where we're ready to quit something? We're ready to walk away from something. We're ready to say, I'm done. How do we learn from these people to say, no, there is still more? Well, the first thing I think I see from them is simply this. They lived by faith. Live by faith. What do I mean by that? Jericho was in a great situation. Jericho had food and water like maybe no one else had. This is the land that, full story, Moses, before he dies on Mount Nebo, looking over and saying, there's a land with milk and honey. We need to get that. And Jericho has this in their place. They've got water. They've got resources. They've got supply. They're sitting in a good, a good situation. They have the protection of the walls. They were established unlike the Israelites, but the Bible says they were in lockdown mode. No one was going in. No one was going out. They are in lockdown. Why? If they're sitting in the good seat, why have they locked everything down? We know because of an early, earlier part of the story that I haven't read for you. Earlier part of the story where two spies went in to scout and they meet this famous woman, Rahab, who through her actions protects herself and her family. And, and this is what she tells them is why they're in lockdown mode. Joshua 2, verse 8. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof. Picture this. She goes up to the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that and a great fear of you has fallen on us. They have everything, every advantage, but a great fear has fallen on them. Why? We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to those two places. And the two kings, the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. The city of Jericho, the city of Jericho, believed that God was bigger than them. The city of Jericho believed this. The question was, would the Israelites believe it? Jericho shut down because of the stories they had heard about God. This is why we share stories why we go back and remind ourselves again. They heard the stories of what God did and they shut down the city. The question was, would the Israelites believe this? And the greater question for today is, do we believe it? Do we, simple, do we believe God is greater than any walls between us and what he has for us? 
And by believe, I'm not asking do you know it. I'm asking do you believe it on a practical level, on a spiritual level. We are a people at our foundation are called to be people who live by faith, not by sight. Do we believe the power of God the same way the sinful city of Jericho believed it? The Israelites do not do what they did if they didn't believe that God could do it. If they didn't believe what God had told Joshua, that I already have given you this land, I've already given you this battle. But they had to match the same belief of a city who would go in lockdown because they heard about what God could do. And we can hear stories in our life growing up and know the stories, but not believe the stories in a way that moves us to live by faith. We can speak words, but our, our body, our life does not carry out faith. And the simple question for you is, how is your faith today? As you sit here, or you watch or listen today, how is your faith in God today in regards to the walls, the things that are in front of you that you feel like you can't overcome? Something that you're missing, something that you need. How's your faith? The second thing that I see the Israelites did that we've got to match them is that they lived obediently. Lived obediently. It's pretty simple to do something one time, isn't it? It's pretty simple. We can eat the right food one time. Right? And you're like, why haven't I lost weight? It's one time, all right? We can work out the way we're supposed to work out one time. We can start and, and, and live out the disciplines for life that we know we should do one time. That's pretty easy, and you have done it. The Israelites did not walk around the city one time or one day. They had to live out obedience for seven days in a row. And six of those days were without results. Six of those days were without seeing the results. What would have happened if they stopped on day six? What would have happened if they just said, forget it, this is dumb? Walking around this city and blowing trumpets, being quiet, not screaming, doing nothing, just walking around once and then calling it a day. And then doing it the same thing a second day, calling it a day. What if they had stopped on day six because this, is ju this just is stupid, it doesn't make sense, Jericho is too much. Like, at this point, it's just silly. What if they quit on day six? You know what they would have realized? Half obedience is still disobedience. 
they would have realized that half obedience is still obedience. That six days of obedience was not complete obedience. And we can't quit on obeying God if we want to experience the fullness of what God has for us on the other side. But we can do this, don't we? God, I tried. God, I did it your way for like a month. God, I did it your way. And nothing happened. So like I just quit. And we wonder why we don't see everything that God has for us. It's, it's because at some point we decided I'm going to do it my, my own way and I'm going to live in obedience to God because his way just didn't make sense. And we forget that half obedience is still disobedience and we miss out on things because we quit too soon. And some of you, me included, we didn't just quit too soon. We said no. That God has told you to do something and you've just simply said no. And you wonder why you still keep in this stuck place. And oftentimes God ends up taking the brunt. God, why would you do this? Why would you get? And I'm like, He has more for us. God, why can't I see what I feel like you told me you're going to do for me? The Israelites would not have seen the promised land outside of being fully obedient to what God told them to do. Complete. They didn't quit. So I think they lived by faith, not by sight. And they lived obediently, even when it seemed silly, even when it took a risk, even when it didn't make sense. They lived in obedience. And then the third thing is they, and this may seem redundant, but I don't think it is, is they let God lead the way for their life. They let God lead the way. It says in our story that the Ark of the Covenant led the way into battle. You know what the Ark of the Covenant is? Not. This is the symbolism of the presence of God. This was where God's presence resided. Remember, we're pre-Jesus. We're pre-Jesus. And, and, and when the temple eventually was built, King Solomon put the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. And, and that's where it was. But at this point, they have the Ark of the Covenant. And wherever they went, they would take the Ark of the Covenant. But it would lead the way. The Ark of the Covenant was a big deal. If you remember the story of Jesus, his death, in the moment of death, the curtain rips. The curtain rips between the presence of God and the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was and the people. Because in Jesus, that the presence of God is everywhere, always. And the people needed to see what was old is now made new. But this Ark of the Covenant for these people this is where their power was found to defeat the enemy. This is where their power was found to break through these walls. This is where their power was found to live in the promises that God had for their lives. They were not going to accomplish what they needed to accomplish if they didn't let God lead the way. 
Now, we don't have an Ark of the Covenant, so the question is, well, how does that work for us today? And there are two non-negotiable ways we let God lead us. And the first one is we need to let God lead us through speaking, okay? When we are in a relationship with God, He speaks to us. He speaks to us. He talks to us. Jesus said that the sheep will know the shepherd's voice, right? You know this. Gospel of John, the shepherd will speak and the sheep will know his voice. As we follow Jesus, we begin to understand what his voice sounds like. That's why closeness and relationship is important. That's why investment in the relationship is important. That is why prayer is important. That is why slowing down our lives, slowing down our minds, to hear the voice of God matters so much. We have to give the voice of God space in our life because he will speak, we can learn, we can be directed so we can follow. And if this seems foreign to you, the simple question is, is have you created intentional space for God to have a voice in your life through the Holy Spirit. If this seems foreign to you, can God really speak? I want to ask you, have you taken the time to create intentional space where the voice of God can actually speak to you? Because the world is loud. Your life is loud. And maybe that's why his voice hasn't been heard. We wonder, God, where are you? But I often wonder if we're not creating the space for his voice to speak, and he is there. All the time we're yelling louder, God, where are you? And he's trying to speak. That's the first way I think God can lead us, through speaking to us. The second is that we, we need to allow God to lead us through Scripture. Scripture. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to go back to what I've already read to you, what it says. Be strong and very courageous. This is what God says. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, and you may be successful wherever you go. Can I read that sentence again? Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may care, be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. You want to know the truth of God. You want to know the promises of God for your life. You want to live in the fullness of what Jesus has for our lives, what he's calling us to. We have to let scripture, his word, speak to our lives. We have to allow his scripture to be a voice in our lives. One of the greatest threats of missing out on what God has for us is not understanding his words to us. This is why when we come on Sunday morning, I'm not interested in giving you a self-help lesson. I want us to jump into Scripture. And personally, I don't even want to pluck verses here and there. I want to look and say, here is Scripture. What is it saying to us? 
It's why we have small groups at both services here trying to make it easy for you to be able to spend Sunday morning worshiping together, but then also not just in song and, and as a big group, but in smaller groups saying, what does Scripture speak to us? It's why we write the See, Feel, Act guidebooks for you every day to walk through Scripture. Because fullness and freedom in Jesus are found in God's words to us. And can I just lay this out there that we can't expect God's move for our lives if his truth isn't leading the way in our lives. We need to, we need to have different expectations for God if we're not allowing his scripture to be the one that leads us in our lives. It's why I'll tell you this, if you're a parent of a teenager, I'll tell you, this is having a conversation with Skylar, our youth pastor, this week, and I said, I want to switch up Sunday morning and what we're doing. I said, I want to create Sunday mornings for specifically one reason, and we can talk about how to get there, but at the end of a teenager's time here at One Hope, I want them to have the capability of not just um, having the Bible spoken to them, I want them to know how to open a Bible and say, this is how I can walk through it. And oftentimes we talk about the Bible, but we don't teach how to read the Bible ourselves. And so what happens is, is you begin to um, live a life where you depend on me to speak the Bible to you. And I love teaching every week to you, but I've told you this before. If I'm your diet of Scripture, you're going to go hungry. You're going to die. Because it's not enough. And God can't lead us if we don't know his words to us. And I'll tell you, I am not always great at this. I always have a plan, an idea in my head, and I can be like a freight train and just go, get out of my way, I'm going to get something done. And I don't always find success in that because Scott isn't called to lead the way. Scott is called to let God lead in my life. The Israelites were not going to break down the stone walls and be successful if they just went ahead of God and took care of business. They weren't resourced. They weren't prepared. They didn't have what it took. But they let the Ark of the Covenant go ahead and say, God, you lead us. We will take your direction. Philippians 1.6 says, be confident of this. We, we went through the whole letter of Philippians this summer, if you were here. Paul says, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. And this morning, I just wanted to remind you that there is more in God for you. There is more peace. There is more hope. There is more miracles. There is more blessing. There is more covering. There is more grace. There is more mercy. There's more promises in God than you can ever imagine. Paul says in the letter to the Ephesians, he says um, that God wants to do immeasurably more in your life than you can ever amass, ask or imagine. The Israelites had their promised land. But God has given us a ton of promises through Scripture. But just like Jericho, we can't go around it we can't go under it. We can't avoid it. Sometimes we have to go through it. But as we go through it, God told Joshua, 
Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous and don't be afraid? Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God to be with you wherever you go. Don't quit. Don't stop. Live by faith. Live in obedience. Let God lead you. There is more on the other side of the thing that's there, but we need to invite God into it. I know there are stories in your life right now or you know people who are walking through some things and they need the courage and they need the presence of God to meet them so they can push through to get to what God has on the other side. And what I'm inviting you to this morning as we end in worship is will you bring those needs either on your behalf or someone else's behalf? If you're part of One Hope, every week I tell you this is why we have altars. Because we're going to walk out into our mess of a life, the loudness of life, and the chaos of life, and we just get right back into it. But before, can we pause for a moment and say, God, I know what I'm getting into, but I'm going to bring this to you because I need you to lead me. I want to be obedient to you. I want my faith in you to grow so that you can be wherever I go and that you can tear down those stones, those walls, those barriers so I can live in what you have. So will you stand with me as we go into worship? Will you allow me to pray for us today that the story of Jericho, Joshua 6, will be a story where God speaks into your story today? God, you know that your people have things coming against them. Your children have places where they hurt, where peace is absent, where hope has been lost, maybe bitterness and anger or just straight hopelessness has filled the space. But God, you are faithful. You were faithful back then and you are faithful today to meet us in what we need. And God, may we see still that your promise on the other side of whatever's in front of us God, it's still there waiting, but we've got to go through it, but we need to let you lead us through it. We'll just be obedient to you because our faith in you is like the city of Jericho where they said, I know your God is bigger. God, may we believe that today. And may we not do it for one day, but we do it second day and third day and fourth day and fifth day until we are done in what you've called us to be obedient to. God, may we persevere so that the will of our God can be seen in our life. Meet us in our worship. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.